Finnish Football Show. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us for episode 13. I'm Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland radio show. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Mark from FC Suomi. Hi, Mark. Hello. And Rich from Escape to Suomi. Hi, Rich. Hello. And as ever, Rich, you had your Twitter poll this week. So tell us everyone now, first of all, we, some of us can see it. What shirt are you wearing? Um, well, this week I'm wearing the current Finland home shirt, which I picked up from Sports Direct for 20 quid, uh, not the 90 euros that it's on sale at Fanimo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, not bad. Maybe you should start exporting them from the UK know, to Finland. I'll take a cut off my cash leave. Um I think the, um, the problem is with these polls is that because I put a national team shirt in with Cooks and Asiclaw, um, needless to say, that's quite a small market. And, you know, you're already covering Asiclaw and I've got a Cooks mug. So... Um, it's uh, everyone's. everyone's you, sound, you sound disappointed. Well, <laughs> it's a shame that um, you know I, I obviously put some uh, poor data in, and you know everyone else of every other club is going to vote for Finland. So but it's okay. I don't know. So was I the only one that voted for Asiko? Yeah, I, I had a couple of hundred votes, and I, yeah, one for Asiko. <laughs> you had a couple of hundred votes on what shirt you should wear. Yeah. Man, you should use that for, for the good of the world, not just for deciding how to get dressed in the morning. Yeah, and you shouldn't limit it to the shows. You should do it like every day. Yeah. So you're wearing the, the current home shirt. Yeah, I mean I know what I wear to work every day, it's the same thing. But um yeah, no, this is this was twenty quid from Sports Direct and uh, they're still available. So um you know, if you want me to get you one, it, oh, that's good. That's... if you want me to get you one, it's fifty quid and I'll I'll send it over. <laughs> Oh, you've got to have a markup. Have it's a still, markup. That's still cheaper, though. It's still like half <laughs> price at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and, and Mark, what are you wearing? It looks like you could do with an update. Uh, yeah, I do, I do need enough. This is a Finnish shirt from... It was a tournament that we played in 2004. I was part of the British uh, expat team. And uh, this was uh, part of the Finnish team we were in. It was one of those international corporate football events. So... <laughs> not not as impressive as, as twenty as twenty bucks. But I swapped this with some guy from Hoyiko's staff a long time. So you did a shirt swap at the end of the uh, did you do it at half time like the like this is the modern way or did you at least wait till the game was finished? No, I wait, I waited till the game was finished. And and you can tell you can tell by the relative cleanliness of the shirt how close we got to them. <laughs> Which was not close at all. <laughs> so, as as everyone can, listening can can tell, we haven't spoken for a long time. We've already started chatting about the minutiae of our, our lives. I'm only on point one of the introduction to this show, so this is this is going to go on for a while. The episode is live on YouTube. Uh, we've got some people watching now, so if you're listening to us, uh, use the chat box on the on the side of the YouTube. Uh, page there and uh, uh, say say hi. Let us know who you are and where you're where you're watching from. And uh, if you've got any comments to add to the show as we go along, then then by all means use that use that box to get in touch with us. So this is this is finished football show thirteen, the first one of two thousand and seventeen. Although there have been a couple of finished football shorts episodes recently, so if you haven't heard those yet, please check them out. Um, and and I want to say thank you to everyone who gave me positive feedback on the uh, interview I did just last week with the new manager at ASICO, uh, Sixtum Bostrom. Um, but we'll get on to that a little bit later. But the, the, the comments I received were, were very kind, so thank you. Um, 
in this episode, we are going to look at uh, uh, Finland's January friendlies versus Morocco and Slovenia, which took place in Abu Dhabi. Uh, we look at the new format, Sormen Cup, uh, and recent transfers involving some, some Finnish players. And yeah, I guess we'll have to take a look at, at recent events at Asiko, which, yeah, more of that to come. But in planning this show, it looks like we're going to have a lot to talk about. So live viewers, you're going to see and hear the whole conversation. But anyone listening to the podcast, you're going to have to wait for a second episode, a bonus pod that's going to come along soon. But I'm not putting a timetable on that. We're going to spread out this content. By God, there's little enough of it. So we're going to make the most of it and uh, and, and string it out a little while. Um, the live live viewers, as I say, use that use that message box uh, or use Twitter. Use the hashtag uh, FFS13, FFS13. Uh, maybe Rich, as ever, you can keep an eye on that. We don't get a lot of uh, interaction on there, but just in case. Um, podcast, podcast listeners, by all means, use social media to get in touch with us. On Facebook, we've got this Finnish football show group. Uh, it's, a, it's a private group. Or, or, yeah, private group, but... We kind of let anyone join. So go into uh, go into Facebook, find the Finnish football show group, and and join there. And there's there's people sharing different different stories related to Finnish football, and uh, occasionally some uh, interesting little discussions crop up from time to time. Uh, and otherwise, our our Twitter handles: Mark there is a, at FC Suomi, Rich is at Escape to Suomi, and mine is at Explore Finland. So. Hopefully this uh, this podcast will come out in a in a couple of days or so. So without further ado, Rich, as ever, no noisy biscuits, no f bombs, please. And in line in line with tradition, let's let's go with some some recent news. Um, I think that that uh, Mark, there was there was some talk about a couple of couple of Finnish players overseas doing quite well, or, or, or maybe one doing very well and one, one not so well. Um, what's going on with Joel Pohjanpalo and uh, Jare Urunen? Yeah, so, I mean, Joel Pohjanpalo in, in Bayer Leverkusen, he's not getting a lot of minutes at the minute. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was raised a bit in the in the, in the the uh, Facebook group with Keith. Keith raised the point that, you know, he needs a, he needs a solid string of, of, like, games. You know, he needs a lot of minutes and a lot of playing time. But, uh, you know, for that, and, and and there's a lot of there's a large movement like on on Twitter and uh, in a lot of the sort of social media forums uh, that that say that Yola needs more game time. He needs he needs to be playing more, which is true. But I mean, one of the harsh realities of playing for Bayer Leverkusen and playing in the Bundesliga is that you know you don't just get starts. And and he's had ten minutes here, ten minutes there, and and in the Champions League last Tuesday, he got half an hour against Atletico Madrid. When it was 3-2, he then had a, a pretty decent chance on the edge of the box uh, and he fluffed it. I mean, he, he, sort of, he connected with it, but it, it sort of bobbled wide in, in a relative, relatively good position where he just had the, the keeper to beat. And the basic problem with sort of elite player levels or, or playing in the Bundesliga or the Champions League is that if you don't take that chance, it's going to be a long time till you get the next one. So it's uh, so for so for Yolle, it's it's a bit tough going at the minute. I think I mean he's he's still a young lad and he's still a top quality player. He just needs to to take his chances more. And it's it's quite strange that that a lot of people in Finland talk about Yolle a lot when we've got somebody like Jere Uronen at uh, Genk, who's playing week in week out, 
uh, who's a big part of the of the defense. He's, he's it's taken no time at all to become a a regular player in the in in the in Genk's first team. And uh, there, he played. You know, again Thursday night in the Europa League, um, kept a clean sheet or helped helped his defense keep a clean sheet. Um, and now now they're through to the last sixteen in in the Europa League. And I know it's 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 a slightly different competition, but it's. It, it's quite strange how we've got one player who just can't seem to like take his chance, who gets all the headlines, and then we've got another player who's working, you know, playing games, ninety minutes, week in, week out, performing very, very well, uh, playing against. I mean, in the Belgian league, he's playing against wingers who play for, you know, Cameroon, Nigeria, Japan. There's there's, there's a lot of talent in that league, and yet he's not getting any coverage. So those those two players are they're a good sort of example of of how we talk about Finnish football at least at the minute which is that when we've got a guy who's close and not making it we give him all the press and we start all the discussions about it. when we've got a guy who's grinding out and playing week in week out at a, at a really really good level we're not somehow focusing on him or giving him his dues so he deserves his dues yeah good good stuff and uh, let's uh, let's keep an eye on those and, and other uh, Finnish players overseas. Uh, people can keep an eye on your on your website at fcsawmi.com. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, I, with keeping our eyes on players overseas, this about two hours ago, three hours ago, Boris uh, Alexander Koko scored his first goal for the Newcastle Jets in the uh, Australian A League. So it was against it was a one-one draw against Adelaide, I think. So check it out on YouTube. Boris is off. <laughs> But bless you for sticking to the script and not not pulling out a, a complete rabbit out of the hat. It's not. As, uh, it's not. Away. It's not as bad when I do the, the like planned part first and the surprise part <laughs> second, is it? That, that is, <laughs> adding something to the, to the show rather than just completely derailing it. Yeah, well, well done for that one. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> Rich. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about this Euro twenty twenty four bid? Um, yeah, basically last year the um, the FAs of Finland, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway had planned. Basically, they have a little group, as it were. They tend to vote in blocks for things like FIFA presidents and so on. Um, between them, they were talking about hosting a joint Euro 2024. Um, last night, the president of the Swedish FA has come out and said that they're not going to bid for Euro 2024 because at the moment, they, they're not clear whether they'll have the sort of stadiums up to standard and you know by the if we go by France last year you know they needed to host 51 games and you need the stadia that you know so many at 30,000 so many at 40,000 and they're, mm. they're not particularly confident that they'll be ready and be able to put together a bid with a, some proper substance um they haven't ruled out 2028 but um in the meantime they're going to concentrate on potentially a joint bid between two or three countries for the Women's World Cup in 2023 or the one in 2027. Um, it's a, I mean, it's not a surprise the um, Olympia Stadion in Helsinki was, uh, it's becoming the new Wembley in more ways than one. It's um, the amount of money it's costing. I think the last estimate was well over 300 million euros and that wasn't for a complete rebuild. Um, the amount of public funding that's being asked for has doubled. And uh, it's becoming, you know, already they've, they haven't even finished tearing what they need to down yet. Uh, the webcam and the pictures, it just shows lots of diggers having a laugh in the snow. 
Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, the Finland FA's ultimate dream really is to host a, a Europa League final or, or maybe a European Super Cup. But um, mm. it seems to be getting further and further away. And now they're talking about if they want to keep down public funding, they're going to have to either reduce the capacity, which will impact on, you know, any potential sort of hosting events, um, or losing some of the VIP sort of facilities, which kind of defeats the point of them doing it anyway, because that's what UEFA want in a stadium. Um, and it's a shame, but um, I mean, Euro 2024 looks like it's going to be between Germany and Turkey. Um, so if you're willing to have the tournament that Finland might actually qualify for. Um, we're looking at 11 years now, and by then we'll have a 48-team World Cup as well. So um, there's a lot of... Yeah, and that's, that's also... So, sorry, Rich. That, that's also going to impact on how all tournaments are hosted in the future. It, it remains to be seen exactly how they're going to do this. You know, which... It's going to be clusters of countries that are, that are co-hosting competitions and and then I, I think it's it looks like it's going to be that there will be host countries but none of them will be guaranteed a spot in the finals because the finals will be spread so far you'd have like a half a dozen host countries all guaranteed a spot which wouldn't work so well that's that's certainly the case with 2020 where there's there's 13 host countries mm. um albeit it's a slightly different format you know um say london will host the semi-finals and the final but um you know, you're looking at certainly the World Cup anyway. They've now said that three countries can group together and host one. Um, but for 2018 World Cup, you know, they're, they're talking about potentially a joint bid between the US, Canada and Mexico. And the distances between those places is enormous. Yeah. Um, they want, you know, there was talk of hosting a centenary World Cup in Uruguay. You know, Uruguay's tiny. It's, small, it's smaller than yeah. Finland in terms of people and size um you know and, and inevitably you'll end up having one at some point probably hosted by an entire continent albeit a small one you might actually have a south american world cup or a north american world cup and you know and again you know we talk about 4018 world cup the number of european participants isn't really going to increase by much they're talking about 16 guaranteed places so if, you know we go back to the age-old argument of and no, it's not not for Finland, but for the greater good of football, it's going to bring more countries from outside of Europe. Yeah. And, and while while that's good though, they, they don't change the sort of stadium requirements part, which means that when you expand to a forty eight team World Cup, you'll have like you know El Salvador against Gabon or whoever or Burkina Faso who are on the. Um, and you have that in a stadium that has a twenty or thirty thousand capacity, and you won't get the fans in to go and see it because you'll be playing in, I don't know, you know, in a scandic uh, sort of collaboration. How how can you guarantee that? So it's it's in in a way it's really kind of self defeating because there, no one country could could ever have the capacity to have that kind of tournament. But when you have that kind of tournament, you don't have the quality to attract the amount of fans to fill the stadium for the requirements. So it's it just it generally seems like one of those cases where bureaucracy is run amok a little bit. The one country that probably could host a 48-team World Cup would be the USA. And yet, like you say, try and host, you know, they're trying to still sell football as as a spectator sport. And, it's and you know, it is improving. But they hosted the Copa America last summer and there were stadiums that were a quarter full because, you know, punters aren't going to go in Philadelphia, aren't going to go and watch Honduras against whoever on a Tuesday night. 
Yeah, because I mean, what they do in the states is they co-opt American football stadiums. Yeah, and and which is great because there's tons of them. But yeah. on the downside, it means that you've got basically a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of clubs in in American football that you need to pay, and a whole bunch yeah. of fans who don't particularly care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's true. Though in my my interview with uh, Sixton Asikor the other day, he was he was saying that you know the the, the MLS or that MLS um, is is now like in the top 10 of uh, attendances, uh, people watching, you know, often 40, 50 thousand plus attending the, the, the football games. So it's, it's definitely growing over there. And, and the league seems to be growing every year. There's a couple more teams. So um, it, it is pretty much probably the only individual country, maybe, maybe, maybe outside of the, the sort of top five European leagues could, could do it all by, all by itself. Um, but maybe if there's so many countries, it's not such a bad thing to have a group of four or five countries that are geographically quite close together and have one group in this country, one group in that country, and then they all start to come together into one central location for the for the later stages. Yeah, I think you've done a lot on, I mean, it's maybe for another time, but a lot of the, you know, being around a tournament that has a host country or a host city and the buzz around that and, and if you know it was one of the issues they had in the 2002 World Cup in Japan and Korea where mm-hmm. you know you had half the tournament was taking place in Korea half of it in Japan so where is the the home where is you know and, and then if you base all the admin and all the you know I'm sure the FIFA bods will want to be you know clustered together for their hotels and restaurants and that you know you're not going to split them up it might make them behave better if you take them apart. But, um, <laughs> but even so, it's it's something now that, you know, and again, there are more countries playing football than there were 20, 30 years ago. Um, and that's why the Euros have actually expanded as well. But, um, mm. you know, it's uh, at what point, and, you know, slightly off topic, we're looking at the skiing this week in Lathi and the Venezuelan geezer who mm. made an absolute, he's gone viral, shall we say. And, um, but you know, this, he has gone viral. Yeah. But this is a world championship, and I mean, was there no? Well, there was apparently no sort of pre-qualifying anything. As long as he's officially registered with the tournament, he can turn up, and they do the qualifying there and then. So, you know, you, you're getting to the point where you're letting everyone in, get involved, but at the expense of the overall quality. Let's keep an eye on the on the Euro 2024. Bid rich and maybe come back to that in, in future episodes. And now let me steer things back towards uh, back towards Finland. Why not? And my my news story was the kind of continuing uh, weakening of of Asnikor from champions just over uh, a year and a half, or just over a year ago. Um, you know, started last season weekly, built it a stronger team during the summer of 2016, and it all seems to be falling away. Again, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the change in manager a little bit later, but Rope Hoski has gone to Paderborn in the Bundesliga 2. Juhani Oyala uh, just transferred to Beko Haken in, in Sweden. And then the news that Matej Radetzky uh, injured himself. The actual injury is undisclosed. I've been told that, that generally in Finland you don't tell exactly what's gone on with a player's injury. So it's it's just being sort of explained by the club as 
I think it translates as a, a lower limb injury, yeah, but it's going to keep him out all season. So I think we're free to speculate that it's probably worse than a break and maybe it's, you know, ligaments or, or something like that. That would seem to be the sort of injury to keep you out that long. And I don't know, from the optimism of ending last season and let's build on this team that's playing well to, oh, bugger me, we're starting again. Mm. You see Vassara retired as well. So that's, if you look, yeah. so if you look, so if you lose... Ropi Riski, Vasara, Hrdetsky, uh, and Juhani Oyala. That's the spine. That's the spine of your team that won the the Finnish mm-hmm. Cup. So it's uh, it's a tough tough old job that uh, Sixton has inherited. But I mean, I'd, I'd imagine that's. I mean, yeah, I suppose as you said, we'll talk about it later. But I'd imagine that was a pretty big contributing factor to um, Simo's departure. I mean, I'd like you know, I don't know. There's a, obviously a lot of stuff on the forums, but I would imagine he's looked at the team and said, well, we need about three, four players here to, to keep ourselves in the title race. And well, I don't why, know don't we, why don't we go, go into that now? Why don't, we, why don't we move over and talk about the, 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 the manager thing? Um, I think it was, for all Ashley fans, it was a big, a big shock. You know, Simo's been popular. He's been successful. He's quite outgoing and and you know expressive on the sidelines and and kind of dragged dragged the team upwards and dragged the fans along with him and from the outside it seemed that just like that he was he was gone um and i know that there's a lot of people unhappy about it um but i think i think you're right i think the club wants to do things a certain way it wants to develop its own young players he wants to bring them through into the squad, and and the, and I think the supporters agree with that. Uh, supporters everywhere love seeing the young players coming through into the team. Last last season, Daniel Benningangas, there's another one who's who's left and gone to gone to Ilves, and that, that was his choice to leave. I, yeah. You know, I, I know no more than he that he had a contract offer and, and decided to leave. But he'd come through the the from the academy in the last few years, and basically last year he kept. Uh, Timo Tavanainen out of the team and the fans like seeing that and now we've got um, Elias Arde come back from a year loan at FC Jazz there's Emil Lidman uh, who was in and around the first team squad in the championship winning season and and was away last year and is now kind of back around the the squad there's uh, Onni Balakari that'll be interesting now that Simo's gone but he's been he's been playing a lot so say that again Mitch his other boy as well, uh, Pavo. He's been playing. Yeah, he's boys. he's the goal. Yeah, he's he's the goalkeeper, probably playing for the academy. I, I'm guessing. Well, he, he's, played, um, he's played some of the friendlies for the first team. Um, oh, the friendlies. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, and the fans want to see these these boys coming through, but I think I think Simo wanted bigger more established and ultimately more expensive players to come straight into the squad. And, you know, I, I guess that's what caused friction between the club and him and has ultimately seen this parting of ways. I think when you look at the players that have gone, I, I can see Simo's point. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's in, like, so, so Simo's, he also has a, like a, a great um, appreciation in the in, in the the Balalito and the association, they think he's the sort of kind of future face of Finnish football coaching and management. But by the same token, you, you know, we know that Simo is not like a, let's say he's not a detailed organization type player, type guy. 
So if you've got if you've got a squad that's heavy on young players, it's very difficult to succeed with that kind of what you need. You need old heads around the team to try and organize what happens on the pitch because they basically can rely on on their professionalism and their experience. So if you're going to drill, if you've got young players, what you want to do is something like Sir Alex Ferguson would do or, or David Moyes used to do at, at Everton, which is drill, drill, drill to make sure that everything ran like clockwork. Something actually that I think Sixton Borstrom could probably achieve um but if you're if you're somebody who's a bit more open and progressive if trying new things as you did as Sesuko did at the start of last season when Lossa came in um you know I, then you you kind of generally sort of fall back on the on the the experience of uh, of the older players to bring that organizational element in so it's uh, yeah, so it's I can I, I can see like I can see that there's just a part in ways that if you want to go down the youth path, Seymour's probably not the best choice or optimal choice. Yeah, and and I've, I, the the comment has been made to me that there is a difference in in Sixton's organisation that you know he in in the first week has already got the next four weeks of training planned out, and that that's very different to Seymour's style where the training was planned out much. Much, uh, much more at short notice, and that kind of fits in with what you're saying, Mark. About if you've got younger players and you want to get them organised and you want to get them disciplined, then having a routine and having a structure is is important. In that. Um, the, the flip side, I'm just looking at the at the uh, Ashy Course squad at the moment from the from the website, and there's 19 players um, listed there. Um, um, uh, Mate Radeski, who's who's clearly out already, so there's there's some work to be done. And when I when I spoke to Sixton, obviously it was his first day, so you know, give him some slack. He didn't he hadn't yet had a chance to do the work to um, decide which players they need to bring in. But again, it looks to me like as as at the beginning of last season, uh, there needs to be some defenders coming in. There's a good there's a good back four there. In fact, there's five defenders listed, so there's a there's a good back five. But at least there's a there's a decent there's a decent back four, but there's not really any any backup. Mm. But the thing um, is that um, and you know the the friendly on Friday against Hacker, which you know they've they've already started fielding the trialists that seem to be doing the rounds in Finland at this time of year, where you know there were two that had been at Cups and didn't get a contract, so now they've moved on to Seinäjoki, and you know especially. You know, Asika already, you know, well into their pre-season, albeit with a new manager. But the fact that they're, you know, in the Sorman Cup, they'll be certainly in, well, probably qualify from, we'll go on to that later. I don't know which round they'll qualify into. But um, it's, um, you know, they've got to look at, you know, who they've got. And if the depth isn't there, and this is a problem in, in Finland in general, and, you know, maybe Sixton's more methodical, approach may help in terms of injury prevention and maybe getting a little bit more momentum but you know when you think that by far their most important player Mehmet Hetemai is still there but you know take him away you know last season he basically kept them going albeit with you know some of Risky's goals and but they've you know we talked about before about the spine of that team is virtually gone now you've got Axelou the goalkeeper and, and Hetemai Everyone else, you know, is, is fairly interchangeable and they need some, you know, strong characters in there as well. But, you know, you've got 
you've lost players who've had a bit of a winning mentality. Um, you know, bear in mind, this is a team that's won the league one season. It still won the cup last year. It'll be in the Europa League this year. You know, these are big games and, and you need some, you know, it sounds a bit old-fashioned, but you need some sort of personalities in there as well. Um, and hopefully, you know, Bostrom, he won the Vakehouse League with Hoyikov, which is my sort of experience of him. But, um, you know, he had some, he had a rotten luck of injuries, but, you know, again, he needed some senior people in that club who were winners, who dragged them over into the title, albeit at Canter. But I think at Asiko, he, he does have his work cut out because, you know, you look at Mariham aren't going to be the same as, as last year. Hoyikov, you know, they surely will at least improve. They look really strong. Yeah, I mean, they've recruited well. They're looking, you know, they've cut some of the dead weight out of the squad and they've replaced it with, you know, decent quality and they've promoted some players from their youth academy as well. Um, you know, I mean, yet again, they're going back to to being that team that actually called, you know, it's always harder to defend the title than to win it. And last season was almost, you know, to be expected as, as things change. But, you know, losing the coach that's been there for, what, five, six, seven years, um, it's it's going to be a big thing, especially, you know, last season, the new stadium came in, which was a big change halfway through and and everything else. So I think it's going to have to be almost a sort of backs to the wall from the start just to get that core settled and, you know, bring in, it will be the usual, I'm sure, free transfers and wasters from across the world who end up in Finland at some point and, and you'll have to <laughs> Thank, thanks Rich that fills me with confidence but no no but it will be you know you get the people who and they do turn up and some of them are mm. absolutely fantastic but they're you know the journeymen the players who've obviously got agents in Finland and, and whatever and some of them will turn up and do very well and they actually can get hold of a couple of them but they will need people who are winners and preferably in Finland because it's you know Yes, it's not the highest quality of football, but it it is what it is, and it, it's a very different way of playing. The the league's so condensed into the sort of five and a half six months of the season. Um, it's a very very different mentality. Didn't did Tuko left as well, didn't he? Did he, he went he went to Ilves. He went to Ilves as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so with Tuko and, and Roberiski out of the picture, how many goals is that? That's what thirty odd about thirty yeah. goals that you've lost plus the spine. It's, I mean. Yeah. And that's I mean, hard for any team. Yeah, Billy Irons obviously came in midway through last season. He's he's a proven goal scorer mm-hmm. and he has scored goals both in the, the, the league last year and in the Sormon Cup this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, a, also uh, Aristotte Mboma, or Totti, as he likes to have on the on the back of his shirt. Um, and he, he, he looks lively. Um, he, he, looks, he looks sharp. Uh, Elias Arde is looking sharp. And, you know... Uh, Onni Balagari as well. They're, they're all looking quite lively and quite sharp up there. But they're all young. Even Billy Irons, with all his experiences, only in his early 20s. Mm. So I think your, your comment there stands, Mark, about needing a bit of experience. And I guess the next, the next big step and the next the chance, really, for the, the fans to see what Stixton's been able to do, even, even just in sort of a, a week or so, is the, is the final Sawman Cup game on Wednesday. It's home, home game against Vaza. Um, hope of playing it outside, but since we had like, I don't know, half a metre of snowfall in the last few days, um, I can, I've seen that it's now been switched back to indoors at, at Waterport Arena, which is a shame, but, but not completely unexpected. 
and we need to we need to get there and um, and, and get behind the team and let the let the club and the management do what they need to do to uh, to get the players in that we need. I guess. Yeah, and I, so, I think yeah, just maybe one more thing. This, if you think about this time last year, <laughs> so for all that it, it's going to be difficult. This time last year, Seco had a pretty solid forward line, a relatively settled squad, and they brought in a very experienced Finnish international by the name of Alexei Yarmenko Junior, and we all thought that's going to work out a treat. <laughs> so, so, so maybe there's a, there's a bit of hope that we're now in a kind of the opposite situation. <laughs> yeah, that's a really that's a really good point actually. So we go we we get when we high expectations last year and came crashing down, and now this year we go with lower expectations. And maybe it's it's all about perspective. Um, why don't why don't we as we just touched on Swarman Cup? Why don't we um, talk a bit about that? My 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 agenda is all out of sync, but that's that's okay. We're covering everything that we that we needed to to cover and. Sawman Cup is kind of coming towards uh, towards an end now, or the or the group stages at least are. Um, and just for those that aren't completely aware of what's going on, I, I've, I've made a few notes here. Um, so this this competition kicked off on the 29th of July last year, before last year's final. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, with Olun Kula versus Jokarit, uh, uh, with a two 0 win for Olun Kula. Then there was a uh, the, the qualifying rounds pre pre Christmas, and then this regionalised group stages in early twenty seven. Um, how exactly? And, and I've got a few a few comments about each group, so maybe I'll, I'll go through those, and then maybe one of you can explain how qualification from the groups works and how it how it goes on from from here. That, so that made a hard uh, part. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep it's it, not me. Let's keep it short from where we are right now. Yeah. But there's five there's five groups at the moment. Five groups of six. And Group A, I just thought it was worth giving a bit of love to uh, Kopeve, KPV from Kokkola. Um, they're a Ukkonen team. They've finished mid-table last season. Uh, they've won three out of three in Group A. Uh, and they've got two, two more games left uh, against uh, Arce Olu and Ope As, uh, which could both be winnable games. So they, they could find themselves through to the, to the next round. Um, in in Group B, there's uh, Asiko, Yaro, and Vepeas, all on nine points, um, all with a game to go. And those final games are Asiko versus uh, Vepeas and Yaro versus Yaz. So Yaro should beat Yaz from Pori, and then it's Asiko and, and Vepeas to see who who um, who can win that that division. Um, Group C, uh, Hoyiko have 12 points and Honka have nine, so they're well ahead of the pack. Um, similarly in Group D, Inter and Mariahan both on 10 points ahead of everybody else. And in Group E, Kups and Ilves both have 12 points. Um, the thing of notice there was Lahti, who were bottom of their group on one point, so they're not having a very good uh, uh, Swarman Cup campaign so far. Um, how does the qualification work? Who wants to take that one? I'll go with that for a laugh. Um, right, so of the five groups, the group winners will go through to the quarterfinals, which makes perfect sense. Um, however, there will be a round now, I guess is round seven before the quarterfinals. So the five runners up from the group and the best third place team will go, there'll be three matches and the three winners of those ties will join the group winners in the quarterfinals. So there is an inherent advantage in winning the group 
because you get a, well, unless you want extra games, that you go straight through. Um, of course, no one, it, it's impossible at the moment because there's still a round of games left, plus there's a couple of games today. Um, the the way it works out is, you know, it's quite easy, everyone plays each other, but um, and it's an open draw, but you'll end up with, there's no seeding, so the teams in the quarterfinals could quite easily play the same teams that they play in the group stage. Um, and again, you know, the, the draw for the quarterfinals is actually going to be made on a week Monday. So it'll be just after, but before one of the groups has finished because it's been made quite clear that, well, the third place team in that group isn't going to make it, so we might as well make the draw anyway. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's basically it um so if you don't like playing football win the group but if you look at group b for example um you know we talked about it before you've got asiko yaro and bps all have nine points mm. um fc Yaz could still technically come third place in that group yeah, they could history. I mean, it's, it's incredibly big annoying. swing. It's incredibly unlikely, and you know, with Yaz, the only way is up. But um, it's um, it's one of those things. Oh, that's that's um, really yes. terrible. But uh, you know, um, you've got three potentially four teams there. You still have a lot to play for, and you know, you could have a thing where uh, the best third place team could quite easily have ten points. Um, you know, and it's it's the, certainly the most the closest group anyway. Although you have had the uh, Asiko Academy team who, um, for some reason, were put in that group. Um, they have played four, lost four, and conceded twenty five goals. Well, if they're geographical groups, Rich Asiko Academy is located pretty close to Asiko. It is, but the groups mm. were altered for that to happen, um, and also Musa. Um, have already been knocked out and then re-entered the group stage, which is one of those weird things about Finland. They got knocked out in August. Um, right. And well, then be because of their performance in the league, they got put into the group stage as one of the four Kakunen sort of qualifying playoff competitors. So despite being knocked out, they then got re-entered, not on a wild card, but purely because why not? But it, yeah, it was the same for Asiko's academy, though, wasn't it? They they yeah, lost they, to Ligurius Inter back in. Yeah, but that that was that was kind of a, a, a already decided thing. That was kind of a what certain number of runners up from that group from that round will go back in. Mm. Musa had been knocked out four months previously in round two. Yeah, um, and. I think that I think that all this all, there's been this debate in the UK about under twenty one sides playing in the in the football league mm. comp, cup as it as it know whatever name it goes by this year, but um, you know in in the past we had the Liga Cup and that was pre season it was indoors and it always kind of felt like a a pre season warm up competition. Yeah, it was. You know, in the in the past, Asiko organised this Comia a tournament which was a f four different teams get together and have a warm-up warm -up competition mm. then Liga Cup they, they were they're in Liga Cup for a few years and that that sort of took the place of the Comia competition and now it seems like the Liga Cup's gone and 
Sawman Cups just become a pre-season warm-up. And, you know, we were talking about this. I was at the uh, Musa game and talking to a few of the other fans. And without knowing it, that seemed to be the attitude people had. It was like, oh, no, this is really good because it gives the smaller clubs the opportunity to play against the bigger clubs and they get a few a few games to see how good they are and, and almost like practice and get better. And I'm thinking that that's not what a knockout cup competition should really be about. Yeah. You know, indoor football here always makes me feel like it's, it's a practice rather than a, a real, a real game anyway. So, and then, and then Ashley course first games against their own Academy. And I was just like, oh. well, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned, you mentioned at the start, Lahti, who, I think are pretty sure to not qualify. I think they're bottom of their group, and and they're, they're, they're bottom. They've drawn one out of four games, and and that's sort of acceptable in a pre in a preseason environment because if it was the Liga Cup, they won the Liga Cup by the way last year in its last, so they're still the holders of it, I guess. But that's all right if you go into it with a preseason mentality. But now they've lost their uh, pass to the latter stages of the Swarman Cup the chance to win a trophy that gets you into Europe because basically this this part of the competition is played during pre-season. I mean, I think the other one in danger is Hifki. I think they're not yet... They can still qualify, but they're not... I think they're They're, they're out. Yeah. Are they out already? Yeah, they, they can't, can't... So, fair. Murinen only just came back from his like winter vacation <laughs> you know what i mean he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't decided on the squad they haven't they haven't had like a full round of of, of pre-season matches because I mean, they've got a good setup but because it's pre-season that's sort of what happens you know what i mean it's not like and so these these clubs these big vacos league clubs that lower le- lower league teams want to play are missing their chance to get in like to progress in in a, in a credible competition and while it, the format should make those Vegas Liga teams take preseason more seriously. I don't think. I think all it all it's done is devalued the end product of the Vegas Liga. Uh, sorry, of the of the, of the Vegas Liga and the Swarman Cup. Because what you've got is is teams dropping out just because they're not fit enough, or they're they're trying a new system and it's not working, or or they've got one or two signings to bed in, and uh, they're not quite up to speed yet. So for me, it's you're punishing teams for the wrong reasons. And the winner of Swarman Cup is is this the European place for that? Yeah. You know, finalists play here in Senioki next autumn. So you yeah. know, it'll be, it'll be something I think that Asigur definitely have on their mind is wanting to play in that final in that home stadium, of course. But not against their own academy. I mean, you've had issues before. You know, we, we've all joked, and it's happened here where you know teams play their own academies, or you know, Hifki four played Hifki three last year. And it was, you know, it was quite funny because they had a joint huddle at the start of the game, and you know, we, we <laughs> joked on our Facebook group about Asikor. You know, we were sort of talking about well, who wears which kit, and it turns out that the academy wore the home kit purely because the senior tide hadn't had their shirts printed up for the season, and it was more of a logistic issue. And the goalkeepers warmed up together, and <laughs> but then someone, to be fair, on Twitter did say that the Spanish Cup final you know, in my lifetime anyway, have had Real Madrid against their own academy in the final. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just a finish thing, you know, it's funny. Um, but like we said about, you know, Hifke, the, the manager was on holiday and they'd already been knocked out by the time he got back. Um, his first game back, they won. Um, but, you know, say that's, they can now concentrate on Vegas League, you know, which is still six weeks away. But, um, you know, they've got no more cut football to look forward to. Um, 
you know, we've also got what seems to be popping up regularly now is basically children playing in this tournament. Mm. Um, Ops have had a 14-year-old playing for him. Admittedly, he's the manager's son. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's 14 years old. <laughs> um, totally earned it. Totally earned it. <laughs> oh, of course. And, and again, another poll I did on the Twitter a couple of weeks ago, what were you doing at 14? And most of us were probably drinking and smoking and playing Nintendo and this, that and the other. And he's playing senior cup football. Um, and the chap, well, I say chap, he's, he's 15, um, played for Rops, scored his first goal. Um, and shortly after signed for Michelin in Denmark and joined the sort of Finnish expat community there. So at 15? 15. And he scored wow. his first goal in the cup game. And, um, you know, every week um, it sort of comes out that I think that same weekend, six or seven other 15-year-olds played for, you know, there was one for Mariham, um, FC Yaz played a couple. You know, these are kids who then came over to England and played in the under-16 tournament. And, of course, they had to be withdrawn from their men's senior cup teams to play in an under-16 kickabout with lads, you know, on the books of Liverpool and Man United. The exodus of Finnish players starts earlier and earlier. Soon they'll be yeah. just picking them up from the maternity wing of the hospital and carting them off overseas into well, incubator academies. Give every, every kid born in the hospital a, a baby grow, and you know that, that would, I think they had two hundred saved. You know, it's a good idea. But Get don't it. worry, the way the system works at the minute, they'll all be back. You know, at nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, how about we we move on from. Storman Cup. We'll, we'll report back how the how the knockout stages work once we've figured out who's actually going to be playing in the in future future episode. Um, let's let's talk about the the friendlies in the desert. And I just want to show you this because I actually made notes. Yes. While I was watching, because. <laughs> and this was a long time ago now, and I, I had to dig out these notes today and just read them while you were talking earlier. Because <laughs> I remember watching the Morocco game, um, and the Morocco the Morocco game finished with a win. Yeah, it had been a whole a whole of 2016 had been defeats and draws, and then came a win, which was incredible. And I I wrote in my notes that the goal was scored by Yuhani Oyala. Um, and so I put that the, that made the score Morocco nil, Asiqor one. I guess I was feeling quite optimistic <laughs> at the time. I didn't know it was going to disappear a few weeks later. Um, but let me let me give you my my comments, um, and then you guys can come in on that game because the Slovenia game on the Friday was played at five o'clock finish time, and I couldn't watch it because I had hungry kids to feed, and that had to take priority over sitting on my backside for two hours watching watching football. Um, so I'll let you um, you guys take that away. Finland played a... Um, <laughs> can't even read that note. 4-5-1 formation. Uh, and it seemed that, that Forsell was, was getting back and, and sort of helping out with the, with the defending from, from the front. Too many... But, but, but there were many long, long balls lumped forward into space, i.e. lumped forward to no one in particular. The Morocco were quite physical, dirty, even maybe. And then we scored the and then we scored the goal. Oyela unchallenged with a header to uh, to take the win for uh, for Hukayak. Uh, and then in the second half, just that the Robert Taylor missed missed a sitter, and then one nil. O M F G. 
and that seems <laughs> to be the end of end of my end of my notes. I think that, that just to say that Morocco created very little, uh, although they looked quite tricky and, and threatening in a, in approach, and that Finland were solid in defence without really creating too much excitement going forward, apart from the goal. Yep, la révolution begins. Like uh, that's Marco kind of a down down to a T, you know. Uh, defend solidly, pack the middle of the pitch, uh, try and counterattack with pace and accuracy. Set pe- use set pieces well to our advantage. So so, I think you know one thing that you can't we can't overlook is that Morocco that was a full strength Morocco team against uh, let's say fringe players of the of the of, of Finland's national side, and uh, they were in uh, com- combat mode, ready for the African Cup of Nations, where they went on, they did all right, I think, actually, Morocco. So they, so they weren't, they were, yeah, they were, they were no mugs um, going into the game. I think, I think there was a, they, they made a raft of changes in the second half, but um, I think, I think they set up quite well. And we basically set up to, to, to stop them and hit them on, hit them on the counter-attack. Um, Petri Forsell, like you mentioned, he did, he, he looked pretty good he was good on the ball and he was uh up and down the pitch quite a lot which is an improvement because usually he doesn't move so freely although he, he did visibly tie it towards the end of the game but um but yeah i mean defensively they were we were sound uh going forward we did make some some chances down the flanks matej radetsky was also in addition to robert taylor was pretty impressive um yeah so it was in a way, it's sort of I was a bit blinded by the by the performance because we got a win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just sort of a it was a bit of a shock. And and I think what's more than that, we we specifically looked like we set up to hold on and then achieved that goal of holding on because Bakke, you know, in his time, set up almost every game to just hold on to a point or hold on to a lead, and we couldn't do it. Um, so Without figuring out a way to actually get the lead in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he never needed it. But yeah, it was a, it, we reverted back to four four two and looked stronger for it. And uh, Vitala in net, he had it. That was he had a really good game against Morocco. So, so yeah, they had a, they had a couple of hairy moments, but we we did we did really good. And yeah, I was I was very happy. Nice, nice to have something positive to talk about about the hooker performance yeah. and, and result. How, how did it differ in Slovenia? It didn't actually differ that much. I mean. We lost two 0 to a really weak Slovenia t- team, so I think it, <laughs> we spend a lot of time under Miksu and then under Bakke pining for the the good old days of a well organized team. But the, some of the debate, one of the one of the problems, we had a lot of problems before Miksu's revolution came and the Christmas tree came. One of them was that when we played weaker teams, we generally didn't assert ourselves and we did the hard stuff well, but we didn't do the easy games. You know, I mean, we, we there was a couple of you know terrible, terrible trips to places like, you know, Moldova and Andorra, where we couldn't where we couldn't get wins. Kazakhstan was oh, terrible, and it, and it was very much the same thing. We 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 uh, created a lot of chances. We played, we moved the ball around well, we moved the opposition around well, and then <laughs> they, Slovenia hit a thirty yard free kick that was a just one of those absolute beauties didn't have a lot of pace on it so you kind of assumed that, that Vitala would get there but it was 100% postage stamp that the free kick and then, and then in the second half they punted a ball at the box and Vitala dropped it and it was a tap in for the guy it literally just 
bounced at the at this uh, at the at the Slovenian guy's feet, and and that was two nil. So that I mean, those kind of games happen. Like it was a great finish for the first goal and a terrible mistake for the second. Apart from that, we dominated. We dominated the play. Although they did have, a, uh, apart from that, they had a penalty, <laughs> Slovenia, and it could have been three, but uh, we survived that. But, it was a very different team as well, wasn't it? It was almost almost all the players that didn't start on Monday started on on the Friday. So, you know, almost everyone got some kind of run out during. Yeah, the- yeah, I think there was only it was it was only Vitala and Matej Radetsky who stayed uh, who who played in both games. Um, and Radetsky against Slovenia had a couple of chances actually, so he, he he did all right. But but I mean, all in all, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as the as the result suggests. It was just one of those things. They had a pearler of a free kick, and we had a howler of a mistake, and that was the two goals that we lost. Apart from that, we didn't really press, and whenever we made chances, we couldn't seem to finish. And and that's uh, when you yeah, under Backer, we were kind of pining for a well organized, well disciplined team that could you know execute. Then now that we're back there, we're going to have the same kind of challenges that we had three, four years ago, which is that we we don't dominate our attack from strength. Um, we don't finish when we have very few chances and we are prone to individual errors every now and again. But but important to say that those those teams that played in Abu Dhabi were were very much sort of second second string. Not many of the players there would would have started competitive games for for Bukuyad last year. That's that's true with the possible exception of Oyala, and, and then but but then by the same token, Slovenia's side. I think the the most capped player they had was the guy who hit the free kick, and I think yeah, okay. in the in their twenty three man squad there was something like seventeen players making their debut. So 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 and and that's 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 kind of the golden thing because we did Morocco. It was that was their competition tournament team. That was their A team. And we did them. It was a bit of a smash and grab, but we got it right tactically, and we we performed very well. Then we played Slovenian B team. And we fell apart. <laughs> so it's. Do you hope we haven't peaked for the year already in the, in the third week of January? <laughs> That's the hard thing. We're already like better than Baki. <laughs> Our mission accomplished. <laughs> So it started positively for the for the national team anyway. That's that's something, and and of course we'll we'll follow up. There there are games games upcoming in March, Turkey and then Austria, both the way. Yeah, well, Tur- Turkey's a qualifier for the World Cup, and Austria's a friendly. Um, they, they, I did read something because they announced a friendly against Liechtenstein in June. Mm. Um, they they seem to be. I'm not sure going away from the idea of last year where we'll play Belgium, Germany, Italy, a strongish Poland, you know, and we'll now play Liechtenstein. And I guess the feeling is that at least if they play a team who in the FIFA rankings anyway is worse, then maybe it will give them some confidence. I don't know. It's a bit, um, yeah. Is, is, that, is that before the Iceland home game? Uh, Ukraine. Oh, Ukraine at home. Yeah. Yeah. I always get this. But warm up for Ukraine by playing Liechtenstein. Yeah, that's. I mean, so that was my big thing about Germany and Kosovo is that mm-hmm. the two were unrelated. And it, like, it doesn't. If you're gonna like, if you play a team regardless of the quality that plays in a similar way to your opponent, then at least it's a it's a good start. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'll have to do my research on Liechtenstein. But uh, I, I I don't think it's. 
the right preparation. You know what I mean? Because there's no even if we win, if let's say we smash them two nil, three nil. Two nil. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but Mark, Mark, we beat we beat the Faroe Islands three one, and then I'm trying to think of the last time we scored three goals before that. That would have been um, maybe the Germany game, Germany three three. That was 2011, 12. Uh, so we don't we don't <laughs> we don't we don't do three goals often. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, but my point is, even if we win, like even if we win that game, then it'll feel good and we'll be in the right place. But it's Liechtenstein, so you don't, you know, what I mean, you don't take that sort of, which means that if we get a draw or if they nick it, <laughs> then we, you know, what I mean, <laughs> you know, what I mean, we'll be riding you know, to Portugal. I, I do wonder. It's it's one of those things that you know sort of we touched on the FIFA rankings. It's something that Wales did in the run-up to the Euros and it's sort of credited with how they sort of did okay in their groups and everything was they almost played the system yeah. to improve their FIFA rankings which you know you have to win games but you, you also it works on averages as well and the more games you play technically the more points you could lose um, I mean fit, the new FIFA rankings are going to be out this week or next week Finland are going to be 99th yeah. so despite not playing and the way that averages work out and Obviously, African combinations and Angora beating San Marino last week. Finland are going to drop. Um, you know, so it, obviously there's a, there's an element in there. But even if they beat Liechtenstein on paper, it's not really going to improve things. You know, you need to get points in qualifiers. You need to. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, so Liechtenstein are I think two hundred and something or or one hundred ninety nine. And, and I don't want to get into the absolute maths of it, but. Burkina Faso, that I referenced earlier, I think they're 50th in the world right now in the FIFA rankings, and they're going to go up to about 42 just because they've, they had a really good qualification campaign and they did well in the African Cup of Nations. And that being said, they're still not a strong team. They still set up, they don't, they don't score a lot. I'm not an expert on Burkina Faso, let me say that. They're not an expert. But the value of playing somebody like Burkina Faso in, in rankings terms is like, it's, it's a jump of like 20 places. To us, yeah. you know what I mean. Whereas if you play Liechtenstein, you're going to move up one or two, and it, and you're right. Wales used the system to get their ranking up, to get them to get themselves into the better pots, to get themselves into the right qualifying space, to attack a tournament. And and there's a lot of different ways to 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 pick and, and choose your opponents. And there's a lot of different ones that we we don't engage in. But it, there's a there's a lot of air in the FIFA rankings that could be exploited. Let's um let, let's move on from. From Hukuyak, we'll, we'll, as I say, come back to that over future episodes. Um, just, just looking back at um, Swarman Cup, there's one comment on the on the YouTube screen which um, I can't read it out because there's there's something there from Woods's <laughs> Freudian. But um, and even though it's in Finnish, I'm not going to say it because some of the people listen to this are Finnish. But anyway, the point he's making is that on um, on Wednesday in Group C of the Swarman Cup is the Studding Derby. Mm. Yep. And did, did I read somewhere that that game's going to be played indoors? It's outdoors now. They've moved it. They have moved it. It, it was going to be in. It was going to be in Tali again. Yeah, Tali, uh, Tali, yeah. But um, I think they said on Wednesday or Thursday they're going to play it outdoors. Um, Oikor have actually played. I think both their home games already outdoors um, in the Sonera Stadium. So. Whatever the reason is for this time, um, 
it's, it's not you know that there is a precedent for it so they've moved it out the okay. and how do we what are we what are we thinking about that i mean it looks like hoyiko are probably gonna probably gonna win going on on current form uh, do we think that the atmosphere, the fiery atmosphere in the stadium might melt some of the snow on the uh, on the terraces? Um, well, the weird thing is, obviously, they played in the Liga Cup group last year indoors and it actually got quite tasty. Mm. Um, okay. It's it's weird because, you know, again, it's been, what, four or five months since the last meeting. And, you know, I, I think almost taking it outdoors will probably cool it off a bit because indoors, mm. you know, it was tight. There wasn't, there were nowhere near the number of people there. Um, it's being played on a Wednesday. I'm not sure if it's afternoon or evening. Um, but last year, you know, you had people literally climbing up, hanging off the rafters at the indoor arena. They were mm-hmm. pulling the nets down. I mean, I'm not condoning it, but it was fun to watch. Um, and, um, you know, and they were getting involved. And I think, I, I do wonder if part of that, taking it outside, is to almost calm it a little bit yeah you can only stick like i think it's only about two three hundred people you can put in dolly Halley as as uh, spectators so when yeah. you get the hardcore fans that are down there and there's no partition there's no like special special yeah. seating arrangement it gets everybody's in close quarters so i think rich is right is that if you put it in the in the sonora what you'll have then is two three hundred four hundred people <laughs> in the freezing cold on a wednesday wednesday evening so you know i i mean i think i'll, I'll probably still go to it <laughs> I mean, it should be interesting because of what it is, but ultimately it's, um, you know, Hoyko will almost certainly top that group and Hifke are out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, um, f- for that point of view, it will be a virtually a pre-season game. Save the Pyrotechnics, Liga. Yeah. So before we before we wrap up this this part of the show and go on to record the bonus podcast, how about we talk about some recent transfers that have caught your eyes? Um, okay, well, the one that's caught my eyes purely out of a bit of randomness was um, Abu Mohammed moving to Lazio. He's a, mm. a young lad from, well, he's from Tampere originally, um, moved to TPS. And he got scouted in the winter and, and moved to Lazio. And everyone thought, oh, well, okay, well, it's the standard, you know, young player. He's 18, moving abroad to a big club. He'll spend some time in their academy. And yet, as soon as he turned up there, he impressed so much. He got whisked away from their academy team, training in with the first team, and he's been on the bench for the last three games, and he'll be on the bench again today for the senior side. Now, um, I've read some bits and bobs from, again, his agent and an interview with him. Um, you know, basically his, you know, he was tagged by someone as the Finnish Pogba, which is ludicrous. Um, but, He's turned up at Lazio, and because he is big, he's strong, he's he's pretty quick. You know, of course, those sort of comparisons are going to happen, and you know, I imagine it's something that Lazio don't really have a lot of. That he's stood out so much. Um, I mean, their coach is uh, Simone Inzaghi. Mm. You know, I don't know what his involvement is, but basically, the lad's eighteen. He's already on the bench in Syria. You know, it's certainly surprised me because I, you know, thought he'd disappear for a couple of years as they normally do and, and the weird thing is is you know I mentioned it in the Facebook group um, a couple of years ago me and Mrs N went over to Finland for a weekend just to you know one of those where you don't tell anyone you go in and uh, we were in Tampa on a Sunday night and Teko Bay were playing and I didn't realise I actually saw his debut um, he came on as a second half sub and 
I'll be honest, I don't really remember a lot about it, but um, it was cold. But um, he, you know, it's just random. But um, yeah, I mean, fair play to him. And, you know, there was a story during the rounds this week, and it's one of those standard. He gave an interview to the Swedish press and was talking about how he ended up there. And he says he, you know, the Finnish Pogba thing is nonsense. He's more of a Yaya Toure, which doesn't really help. Um, <laughs> and, um, not, sure, not, not sure shy, about. is he? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but then you know he said that you know his agent, you know I've, I've met him a couple of times. He said that um, you know there was interest from Liverpool, and of course the story then got blown up into I almost signed for Liverpool, and it was all over the usual sort of blogs and. Lazio prospect could have signed for Liverpool when, in a actual fact, you know he had as much chance of signing for Liverpool as, as I did. Um, and you know, it's one of those things. But I mean, fair play to him if, if he gets even a couple of minutes in Serie A. That's much different from any of the other sort of kids who've moved abroad in, in recent times. Just on that one, Lazio sixth in, in Serie A, and they've got a pretty strong midfield. Like they, they it's a, uh, it's it's. Obviously impressive that he's up there on the bench, but I mean, you know, he's Parolo, Luis Amperto, Felipe Anderson, Biglia. They're all like internationals, you know what I mean? And that's just a, an amazing achievement. I think the the move that made me happiest was Alex Ring going yeah. to, to New York City FC because he'd been um, plowing a lonely road in uh, Kaiserslautern for a while. Uh, he'd had some some fallings out with the manager. He, he, he'd been sort of forced a couple of times to go into the press and say, "I'm not leaving, and I'm going to commit my future to the club." <clears throat> but he kept getting moved around, moved around in midfield. He was one week he was defensive midfield, one week he was out on the right, one week he was in number ten in behind the striker. Um, they just missed out on uh, promotion last season, and then at the start of this season, they start to, they sunk like a stone and got themselves stuck in a relegation battle. So as it got towards the winter break, he stopped playing. I think he, I don't know the kind of the details of it but he was a player that was probably too good for 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 where he was he, like because Kaiserslautern had been selling a lot of players and he's now going to step up and then try and replace Frank Lampard at New York City and play next to Andrea Pirlo which i mean if he gets his head down and plays his cards right it's going to be a, a, an incredible move for him He's been playing in pre-season and funny, his, his quote on signing for New York was, uh, I don't want to offend Kaiserslautern, but I'd rather train with Pirlo than with Patrick Ziegler. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, way, way to burn your bridges. Man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I think, I, so I, I mean, I generally get the understanding from a couple of friends in, in Germany that he had the opportunity to leave at the start of last season and uh, the club stepped in to try and block it because they said they needed him to, to, to grow. Um, so I think he's not been happy there for a long time, um, and I'm, I mean it's uh, the like the MLS we mentioned it earlier. It's a growing league. Uh, it's got a really good support. New York is uh, one hell of a place. So yeah, so he'll he'll do I think really well. I think Yuhani Oyala's move as well to Hacken is a good one. They've struggled defensively in the last ten consecutive seasons in uh, in the Allsvenskan. They won the cup last year. Um, but they've always been that sort of mid-table team. So I think he'll get his games, and I think he'll do well. Uh, are there any... There was one... Oh, Puru Soiri. <laughs> 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 I mean, 
part of me thinks fine you know go and make a bit of money and um play in belarus and get an experience under your belt but another part part of me thinks you know who is that who whatever agency he's working for they're not looking out for him at all you know i mean it's that's nobody moves nobody moves from the belarusian league anywhere i mean there's a couple that you, you can go from belarus you can go to kazakhstan or russia maybe not the not the russian premier league but it's it's a bit of a, it seems like a bit of a dead end and it's it's just one that has me scratching my head because last season in the vekas liga he did he did really well he scored a lot of goals i think you know another season or two like that then he can get himself on the he's still young he can get himself on the on the attentions of the in the attentions of the of the national team and then sort of uh, maybe abu dhabi or whatever and then see if he can try and develop that way but i i just it, it it pains me to watch a, a talented young goal scoring Finnish footballer transfer out of the Vekas Liga and go to Belarus. It seems like Yagubi again. Yeah, it's got yeah. a it smacks of that. You know, and, and how his career basically stalled for two two and a half years, basically because he went to Latvia via a shifty deal in Russia and then, you know, now he's you know, he had a good season at Rops. Mm. Now he's at Hoycott, but again, you know, he's lost a couple of years of development and, and sorry, you know, he's gone to a team who yet yeah, came second in the league that are, oh, it's a one-team league. Yeah. Let's be honest, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a shame because like you said, you know, he's getting in into the under-21 squad um, and for the sake of a, whether it's a quick buck or whatever they offered him, who knows, but. I think, I think as well, you know, like from a coaching perspective, a lot of the times, in, in Finland, you know, we try and highlight the players that have got skill or, or, or ability or technique, and we often overlook, like, Puro Sari, he's, he's quick, he's not technically that brilliant, he's not, you know, like, he's not like a standout amazing player, but he has a knack of being in the right place at the right time to score goals. And that's something that, you know, we need to stick a value on it, because we need players, you know, like, Robert Taylor is a, is a really good example, it's, that the chances that he had for Finland were, were guilt-edged, and somebody like Soyri would just put him away. And we don't, we we never seem to value the player that can just get his head down and stick the ball in the back of the net. And I know it's you know maybe not fashionable, but but it, it just seems like we've let him slip out. <sighs> and on that, and on that, there was a there was a beginning of a rant there, but I think he just about just about tempered it. So yeah, let's let's wrap up this part of the show um just to thank everyone for watching us or listening to us um remind you where you can keep in touch with the three of us while in between in between episodes so marks at fcswami.com regular reports on hookah players from around the world and i guess there's gonna be more and more looking over towards mls as well mark with uh, with um alexander ring going over there and yuka Gaitala as well going to columbus crew and Schuller went to Minnesota. And well represented in MLS. Um, Rich at com. Your, your most recent article, Rich, was very disturbing read about child abuse in, in football. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but people can go and check that out um, on your on your side. What have you got coming next? Um, I've got a couple of interviews lined up again. Um, it's, again, trying to just find the, the time to do stuff. Um, whereas I've, I've virtually been scheduling stuff on Twitter purely because, again, until the season starts, yeah, it's just keeping an eye on things. But, um, yeah, I think interviews are going to be 
the most upcoming things anyway. Okay. And uh, explore, explorefinlandpodcast.com. Uh, I've published two Finnish football shorts episodes, uh, one in January about Asikor's eSports team, a few interviews there with people connected to that, which is uh, a bit of a departure for a, a football club in, in Finland to have an eSports, a gaming gaming team, which I think currently sits at two, two people, um, one playing NHL hockey and one playing uh, FIFA football competitions and then of course last week was the interview with Sixten Bostrom at Do you subscribe to my YouTube channel you find me by searching for my name Mark Wiltshire or search for the Finnish football show and we'll do our best to get the uh, to get the podcast out in a few days and those listening to this podcast um, you'll get the bonus podcast coming uh, a little bit after after this one comes out we're going to stay online now and and record that so um for now, this is the end of the Finnish football show, and we'll, we'll see you again next time. Yep, 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 yep.